Welcome, and thank you for listening today. This Caregiver Life podcast focuses on caregivers from all walks of life. Throughout the episode, we will hear from caregivers on the front line, those who do the day-to-day, sometimes hour-to-hour caregiving. We will also hear from care recipients, professionals in the field of caregiving, and other various topics of interest to those living this caregiver life. Hi, Jen. Hi, Mayor. How are you? I am doing okay. It's a Friday. We're recording this on a Friday, and so I'm hopeful that the weekend will restore me a bit. But I'll be honest, I've been pretty overwhelmed lately. Oh, really? What's going on? Just a lot of different things. My brother's having a couple of medical things. I'm, I'm working a lot. That always adds some stress. And also, you know, this this continued isolation from the pandemic and all these lifestyle changes are really just weighing on me. That's a lot. What do you, what, what will you do this weekend that will help, do you think, that will help you uh, restore yourself a little bit? I'm going for a walk early Saturday morning. I happen to live near the beach, so I'm going to do it at the beach with somebody I haven't seen in a long time, and we're going to practice safe socialing. Uh, and I'm really hoping that'll just set me on a, on a good path for the rest of the week. Oh, good. Well, I, I like those moments because I can think back to them and it gives me a little bit of peace when I do that. Yeah, reflect, reflection often can provide us peace when we're focusing on a bright spot. Mm-hmm. Taking a pause. Yeah. How about you, Mayor? How are you doing? Uh, we're over, a little overwhelmed these days. We've had some changes in... Um, in Tom's care and learning some new skills like me giving insulin shots that's new and has not always been attractive in that like I bent a needle once. <laughs> the injectables are the worst and it makes you feel bad as a caregiver. I've, I gave my brother cellulosis once. No, oh, oh, Mayor, I totally feel you. It's not easy. And I've reached out, you know, and with the isolation that we have, it's not as though I can just go sit with somebody and have them teach me how to do it. Have you had to resort to watching a YouTube video yet? I did. I've watched (laughs) a few of them and I've, I've learned a lot, which is good. Um, and I, I can't even say that we've, we're actually really under control with this diabetes yet, but it's so complicated with ALS and, um, and just a lot of, a lot of negotiation and I, I like to think about it like this like it's all the things mm-hmm. <laughs> and somebody said what did you which sometimes you do you say how was your day and I said well it was okay you know I did nothing and I did all the things <laughs> all the things is the big umbrella of that so it's every little minor detail and big details is all in there and you understand that so you did all the things now you're doing all the things with needles yeah, and I stabbed myself once, so there you go. Oh, Mayor. You're going through all the rookie mistakes, and it's okay, because I can tell you those are all the things I've done. It's all the things that other caregivers do. I have to let you in on a little secret. I don't give my brother injectables anymore, because we learned our lesson with that, and we're blessed to have support uh, for health aides that are able to do that and nurses that are able to do that. My brother's even tried to do it himself a few times out of desperation. That's how I know about the YouTube videos. <laughs> oh yeah, we we cannot. Tom Tom has like tremors with his hand. No, we can't. He can't do it by himself. But 
but we're but we're finally getting on the other side of that. I feel like I I can breathe a little. I'm going to start on a a project of photographing his um, paintings over the years, and then writing some narrations and personal little personal stories, anecdotes about the paintings and why and how he started painting. We've talked about that a few times on the podcast. But I'm going to try to put it all together so we can see not only his resilience, but his thriving under the adversity of what's happened in his life. And then that hopefully will get me a little started on some of my other projects. There, it's always easier to write about somebody else. So, um, so I'm going to try to get that started this afternoon. I'm excited about that. And I have some exciting news to share about our podcast. Mm, Mayor, I can't uh, wait. I know we have over 2,830 listeners. I think it's 2,833. Well, I'm hoping after our, our episode today airs with um, Dr. Barnett, we'll break 3,000. Wow. I, I hope so, too. And then we'll have, and so this is episode 49. And we have Dr. Liz Barnett with us as a guest today. Welcome, Dr. Barnett. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're happy to have you. Thank you for persisting. <laughs> I, we're not always... No problem. I was just excited to, to hear back and, and for the opportunity. Okay, excellent. Well, so if you could share with us an overview of your background, of your education, of your experience, and what led you here to seeking um, being a guest on this caregiver life. So, uh, so I have my master's in social work from Boston University and my PhD from the University of Southern California in preventive medicine. So I actually went um, and studied, or was, my research is in motivational interviewing. So as I'll tell you in a minute, right, MI is a way of engagement and increasing people's motivation. So at the time, I was working in the field of substance abuse treatment. That's where I started, and that's where motivational interviewing started. Um, so I've been training people to use the skills for about 15 years, and mostly it's thought of as training for professionals. But over the years, I have seen professionals use it at home. And so in the past you know, couple of years, I've been focused more and more on people who really need these skills at home. And that's, of course, brought me to caregivers, because if we can lighten some of the burden and the stress of, you know, trying to get cooperation, or trying to get, you know, encourage someone to participate more in their own care, or whatever the case might be, it's such a perfect fit. And yeah, so that's what that's what brought me to you. You know, so I um, have been talking more and more to caregivers, and then I came across your podcast, and I was like, oh, I should, I should reach out. So. Well, I'm so glad that you did reach out, because this is such a, I think, an important topic. I think um, if we can give skills to our caregivers, then it can help to relieve some of the stress and the burdens. And so I... We need a little background because I, I personally have never heard of motivational interviewing. It's not been anything that I've been in contact with and maybe perhaps Jennifer has more than me. Um, so maybe if you could um, give us a, a little bit of, of some detail about what that means. Oh, hang on.
Hang on, I have you. I have you um, on mute here. There you go. Are we good now? Mm -hmm. So motivational interviewing is really a way of being intentional about kind of how we approach topics. And at its simplest form, um, we're really asking people to do something that's difficult, which is stop telling people what to do, right? And, and try to get them, you know, to tell you all those same reasons that you would be telling them. So it's, you know, basic things like asking open questions, doing some reflective listening, um, acknowledging people for their efforts. And so they're really sort of simple and straightforward skills that people already have, but it's really about getting mindful and doing things intentionally. Um, and sort of taking a moment to really think about how one approaches those kinds of conversations. Um, like I said earlier, it started off in substance abuse treatment and was sort of a way to engage people who didn't want to make a change in their, at the time, drinking. And since then, motivational interviewing has found its way into almost every profession where behavior change is at the heart of it. So whether that's nursing and medicine or dentists, social workers, probation officers, there's motivational interviewing training going on, um, I mean, all over the place. And like I said, it's, it's typically thought of a skill, you know, that professionals use on the job. And it's less thought of as things people do at home. But once you sort of have the skills, there's no, certainly no reason not to use it at home, right? Whether it's with young children, you're sort of applying the same ideas, get them to tell you instead of you constantly trying to tell them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I, you know, so one question that comes to mind, if I'm a caregiver listening to this podcast, especially when you have a, a really busy caregiver kind of life, a lot of tasks with caregiving and a lot of negotiation on, on how to do things. How much time will this take for a caregiver to learn this, to be able to use it effectively? So I would say there are very simple things that you can, like you can do once. And first of all, it will surprise you because you'll get a very different response, right? So. I, I mentioned, um, you know, people spend a lot of time trying to convince people to do stuff. But instead of sort of giving someone else all the reasons that they should do something, you simply sit back and ask the question, so I'm curious, from your perspective, what would be the good things about, you know, and then you fill in the blank with whatever that thing is. And then if you can sit back and listen, right, all of a sudden you'll start hearing the person you're talking to say things that you, you know, that almost surprise you because those things never come out of their mouths if you are telling them, right? When we tell people what to do, the most natural response is for them to argue. Or, you know, maybe a yes, but, or, you know, I've tried, or, you know, something, right? They sort of try to shut it down immediately. But when we ask a big open question that gives them the floor, then there's more of a, well, certainly more of a chance that we will start to hear all those things come from them instead of having to come from us. So that's like one small thing that's super easy. And once you do it, it can start to change you because you realize the person you're talking to might not be as resistant 
as you perceive them. And then that changes, that can start to sort of like a little domino effect. Liz, I have a really funny story related to that. I, it's so hard for caregivers to change their behavior when that, that behavior works. And for us early on in our caregiving journey, you know, my brother really needed me to tell him exactly the things to do because of his brain injury. But as he healed, as his brain learned to rework, um, I didn't. My brain didn't learn to rework. And that change was so difficult but critical to my, to my own health journey. And I have to tell you, we were in a provider's office and I was asking some questions and making some suggestions. And retrospectively, I was exactly correct. And the provider did what I was suggesting. But at first, they were a little bit resistant. And I remember my brother looked right at the provider and he said, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't try to fight her on this. Resistance is futile. <laughs> and I felt actually kind of terrible about that because I didn't, I don't want my brother to think that he's not an important part of this process, that his, his opinions don't matter. And I want him to feel as much control as he is capable of. And so that was really a turning moment for me. Like I've got to start framing this differently in my own mind. Yeah. And really, I mean, that is often the hardest part is sort of that changing our own behavior. Um, because yes, absolutely. This doing having these conversations happen differently definitely in most cases requires us to make some changes or to, you know, and your that example is perfect, right? Just sort of the realization, like we get some feedback and we're like, oh, you know. Um, the other thing that you said that I think was interesting is we talk a lot about empowerment and in motivational interviewing because more than anything you need somebody who's engaged right in the conversation in their care in the step if not there's really no other choice but to do everything right so the more engaged somebody is the more collaborative it could be the more partnership there is in the process so things that we can do to increase engagement right um, or empowerment and so those can be simple things like giving people advance notice about wanting to have a conversation, like asking, you know, when, when would it be, I want to talk about such and such, when would be a good time, when do you think we should do that? Like, what do you think? You know, just these really small opportunities that give people power, right, and that, you know, create an environment you know where there's more openness or more willingness and people don't feel like they're being caught off guard or you know like i was just trying to have my coffee like you know like. well that's such a good point and so we're, we're going to take a break but, but but before we get to the break um i would love when we come back if we could do a little role play jennifer could be my caregiver who would like to take uh, respite care in uh, I don't want her to because that's something we're hearing a lot among our caregivers and I think we could role play that well so let's just take a quick 20, 20 second break dad I picked up your pills made your lunch and your laundry is done when you care for a loved one you take care of everything but are you taking care of yourself find free care guides at aarp.org caregiving brought to you by aarp and the ad council okay we're back so you game, Jen? 
game game. Tell me again what what the what we're gonna do. Our role playing here. You need respite. You're a caregiver. You're my caregiver. You need respite, and I don't want you to take it. Mm, okay. And then so we're gonna role play, and Liz is gonna weigh in on maybe some tactics that we can use. Okay. Hey, Mayor. The thing is, I am so worn out. I'm just, I can't think straight and everything has just been piling up on me and I just need a break. Well, you could have a break while you're here. I just won't bother you. Okay, but that's not really the same as me actually sort of taking some time off, you know? And I, I don't want you to think this is anything to do with you, but the thing is, is I just can't do all these things. I can't do all the things all the time. But I don't, I don't need anybody here though. I could, I'm fine. I don't need anybody here. Oh, you know that you need somebody here. You know that you need help getting up and getting to the bathroom. And you, you know you can't get your own food into the oven because your hands shake. And come on, you know you need somebody to keep you safe. Well, I could have sandwiches. I don't really need a lot. I don't, I don't need anybody else to take care of me. Well, I don't know what's going to happen if you fall. And then if you fall, it's going to be so much more work for me. And I'm just telling you that I've got to take a break. Okay, well, I'm just gonna go outside for a little while. <sighs> you can't go outside by yourself. Like, and, I mean, what if something happens? What if you get lost or you don't look when you're crossing the street? I mean, I'm really concerned if you're alone and I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get time for myself. I'll just sit on the grass. How would we handle that, Liz? Okay, so so I think, um, so, okay, there's lots of stuff in there. So the first one might be, this would be a great conversation to sort of do what I was mentioning about like sort of giving some warning beforehand, you know, and, um, and sort of thinking of it as like collaborative problem solving, you know, where you're saying, so I've been, I've been thinking about kind of needing a break and I'm wondering if there's a good time that we could sort of set aside to talk about this for like five or 10 minutes tops, you know. Also, setting time frames is nice, especially if it's a conversation people don't want to have, right? Because they know it's time limited, it's short, uh, so it makes them sort of more able to be present for it, right? Knowing that this won't go on forever. Um, the other thing is, okay, so we could think about, um, again, big open questions. So I think what we saw in there was you know, every time Jennifer sort of stated her need, then, you know, Mary, you, you know, gave your response and sort of a rebuttal. And then Jennifer, you do it again. And Mary, you would, you know, have your, your response. But what we didn't see was sort of that big open question, you know, where we could have asked, you know, I know it's hard. The idea of me going away is, you know, not fun or having someone else in here is not fun. So sort of acknowledging their concern. But I'm curious, from your perspective, what might be some good things that could come out of me getting away? Now that might be tricky because you might, they might come back with a big, you know, nothing. Because <laughs> um, this was an interest, this was a very interesting topic because it wasn't so much that we were trying to get Mary to do something. It was, we were trying to get Mary to sort of be on board with us doing something, which was a little, you know, different, but still the idea. Big open questions. It's a dialogue, right? Um, so, and we're and we want to understand their perspective, right? So, coming at it from that with that sort of mindset. Um, what else? Oh, another thing. Um, this is just in general, always a handy little tool. 
is asking permission. Like, would it be okay if I shared, you know, um, sort of what it's like for me right now? So instead of just telling them what it's like for you right now, getting a little permission before doing it gives them a little more ownership about listening to what you have to say, right? Because once they've said yes, like, yeah, yeah, you can, I mean, yeah, I want to know what it's like for you. Now, all of a sudden, they might be listening in a different way than, than if you had just told them. Because when we just tell them, they're all of a sudden, they're going to be reacting emotionally like they feel guilty, you know, like they know how much work you do, so they might feel bad, you know, but asking permission can allow them to just listen as opposed to sort of just react. I also, anyway, so those are some, every time isn't a good time to talk about feelings, especially when you have a care recipient who maybe is experiencing a higher level of pain uh, that day, or maybe they didn't sleep well. And I have to remind myself that even for me, uh, every day isn't a good day to talk to me about everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's where, you know, getting, asking them, you know, and again, that's giving some responsibility back to them, right? Where they have more power, but also more responsibility, right? Like we're in this together. So, you know, we need to come up with a solution. It can also be nice to just share, you know, would it be okay if I shared my, my kind of perspective first and then I'd love to hear yours, you know, or, you know, yours first and then mine, you know, either way, but just to, to frame the conversation in the beginning. Well, this is this is such a great tool, I think, for uh, caregivers. It's a good um, it's a good beginning. It's a good base for caregivers to work with. It's not too much information, and sometimes we have to go into uh, the really big stories, the really deep ones. Like, what kind of care would you like to have? What? How do you see in my situation? We live with a terminal disease. So what does that end of care look like? And that is a, can be a very challenging conversation. And how do you come at that in the right way with your care recipient? But I think baby steps with motivational interviewing is, is probably the most productive. It certainly would be for the caregiver because this is new to us to do this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, C creating a time for the conversation, uh, you know, creating you know, most important a non-judgmental space for the conversation, you know, where you, I'm just curious, I want to understand your perspective. Uh, that can be, you know, that has to be there in order to get, you know, people to talk. Because when people think they're going to be sort of confronted or uh, come up with resistance or, I mean, on both sides, right? If uh, for the, you know, the person you're caring for, right, they don't, they don't want to be sort of take judged or, you know, have someone react to their thoughts kind of with criticism or anything like that too. Jen, do you have questions? I think uh, it can, the more intimate you are with your caregiver, with your care recipient, I think the more difficult these conversations can be. Uh, so oftentimes I think it's perhaps easier for uh, me and my brother to have these conversations than it would be for Mare and her husband. Um, and so I think that it's important for 
our caregivers who are listening to, to give themselves some grace. We talked about that in past episodes, but give, give yourself the, the more, the closer you are to this, the care recipient, probably the more time you're going to need to develop this skill and to work on this together. But I also think that this can help improve the way that we communicate with our loved ones who aren't providing the care, but who are maybe invested in our lives. Yes, right. I mean, it can be a conversation between siblings. It could be a conversation, you know, I mean, it's a, it is a way of sort of having engaged, non-judgmental conversations with people, right? Sometimes, you know, I think of motivational interviewing in two parts. One is just that engagement, you know, having two active people on the conversation. The other is actually about motivation, right, which is not always at play. But motivation, I like to say it lives in sort of your reasons to do something, right? So it's in that question, you know, what would be the good things about? So when somebody starts to tell you, like, how they might benefit from something, then you know you're sort of in the space of motivation. So if you think about people in your life that need you, you know, want to motivate or that, you know, there's this behavior that they should do or they'd be better, if they, better off if they were doing it, then that becomes a good you know, an appropriate time to use motivational interviewing. Yeah, and I think for a lot of our caregivers who do have siblings or they need to have some tough conversations with um, other family members, boy, setting that appointment to talk about it can be so important. I know, you know, in my, my situation caring for my mother, sometimes it gets so overwhelming that I just want to avoid it altogether. And so if somebody says, oh, we, we need to talk to you about your mother X, Y, and Z, my reaction is just what you said. I want to avoid it. I want to protect myself. I don't, I don't want to deal with anything right now, but, uh, but knowing, okay, Friday at four, I can prepare my mind. I can write out a list and then I can also prepare to do something afterwards that, um, gives me some time to unwind rather than just answering the phone. And then all of a sudden I'm having a serious conversation that I, I didn't want to have at this moment. With, with no time to prepare. And I think for our care recipients too, when we're giving them some time to prepare and we have to think like, especially for someone who has um, a cognitive impairment or who has memory care issues because they're aging, uh, they do need more time to mentally focus and to gather their thoughts. And I want to give them that opportunity to give them some grace so they can be as equal of a participant as I am. We're so thankful that you joined us today. And sadly, we're nearing the end of our time. You've given our listeners so many good ideas, such healthy coping tactics. These strategies aren't, aren't just applicable to caregiving, but they're applicable in so many parts of our lives. Liz, I just can't thank you enough. Well, it's my pleasure. The, you know, those little things we were talking about, the ask permission, the you know, set a time frame, the give advance notice. I have something on my website that you can download that has, um, I think there's seven of them, right? Um, so, and my website just really quickly is drlizbarnett.com. So D-R, um, not D-R-L-I-Z-B-A-R-N-E-T-T.com. So right. you can get we'll those We'll be sure and put a link to that in our show notes on our social media accounts where you can find us at This Caregiver Life on Facebook and Instagram. We're just 
at this caregiver on Twitter because we're cool like that. But we're going to put that on our LinkedIn and we hope lots of people will be able to connect with you that way. And this is a new new thing. We have a website now, don't we, Mayor? We do. This caregiverlife.com is our website. So if you want to contact us, that is a great way to do it. We have a blog on there and a news feature and, um, and we're looking for caregiver stories. So drop us a line if you want to share your story with us. Uh, Dr. Barnett, do you have a book by any chance? I don't have a book. No, I do not have a book. You got um, have a book. I, I've, uh, I've published a few um, peer-reviewed journal articles and I have a couple of book chapters um, in text on motivational interviewing, um, but I do not have my own book. But you do so, have a webinar coming up. Tell us about that real quick. And we'll put that in the show notes too. So that is called Motivating Loved Ones, How to Communicate Better and Work Together to Help Those You Care For Stay Active and Engaged. And that's being hosted by the Family Caregiver Alliance. It's on Wednesday, September 30th, 11 a.m. Pacific time. It's free. It's on Zoom. Um, and, you know, we'll be sort of looking at some of the stuff that we talked about here. Um, sort of the, mostly we'll focus on the first step, which is the stop telling people what to do step, <laughs> or at least be aware when you're about to tell someone what to do and maybe see if there's a better way to do it. So, yeah, that should be, that's going to be really fun. It's a one hour long and it's, like I said, it's free and for caregivers. I love this. I have, I'm making a list in my mind of people I'm going to invite to the webinar. Myself is at the top of the list. And um, I'm, I'm just so thankful that you've been on today. Me too. Thank you so much. And stay safe out there in California. Well, thank you. Thank you. And it was my pleasure. And, you know, let's, let's keep doing more stuff together. Oh, we definitely will. Let's have you back. We'll do some more. So if somebody has a little case scenario that they would like for Jennifer and I to, uh, to, uh, to act out, who are so good at acting out these roles, role playing, we could, we could do a few of those on an episode with uh, Dr. Liz Barnett and figure out various ways in which we could approach those problems and those issues. I just want to say, Mayor, I think a new, uh, a new feature to our show needs to be the role playing and we should try to do that every episode. Okay, I like it. All right. Well, till the next time. Till next time, everybody.